Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. As Pastor Gail notated, this is the last sermon series. Great big little words, all that stands between you and the end is a really, really long sermon. I'm watching for reactions. Notated, here we go. Always. I've told you, always, to read what happens before a text and after a text. Not everything is sequential, but many things are. But here you need to know, because it's the last part of the Gospel of Matthew, and here's what happens right before today's reading. It is important. The beginning of this passage, Mary Magdalene, the most faithful disciple, and other female disciples go to the tomb of Jesus because he had been killed. They go to anoint his body. This is before Huber. This is before Washburn McCreevy. This is before all the things they do to embalm. And you go there to anoint, but you also go there to give thanks and show your adoration. And when they get near the tomb, there's an earthquake. Everything shakes. And this is before you understand earthquakes. And everyone is freaking out. But the Bible says that the guards who were there to guard the body of Jesus, they shook like dead men. I don't know what that means. I've been thinking all week about that. They just perhaps passed out. Capiche? So they're passed out, and then there's an earthquake, and then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord descends. Oh, this is a great day. You think they're scared? Yes. But the angel of the Lord is there for Mary Magdalene and the other female disciples. Seeing that the guards fainted, the angel says, do not be afraid. And my guess is Mary's thinking, too late. But I'm going to tell you that his body's not here. But no one has stolen him. He's been raised from the dead. This is good news. He's alive. In fact, I want you to go and I want you to tell the male disciples who are in Peter's house, way over there, the good news. And see, this ruins it because it was going to be so awesome because I was going to tell you that we had actual footage of them leaving and then I was going to say, roll the footage. It was going to work out so perfectly. <laughs> Animal house, uh, the fake gun with the blanks, the horse died. Okay. So they go. And the angel said, when you go, Jesus will meet you. And so the women are walking along, no doubt talking about, did you just see what I just saw? Did you hear what I just hear? And all of a sudden, they walk around a corner, and there's Jesus. What a day. And the Bible version that I read is the CEV. It's written for fifth graders. It's perfect for me. It says that Jesus said greetings, which I thought was a little high tone. Although, what are you supposed to say when you come back from the dead? Hey, what's up? Or, hey, what have you been doing? Or, my favorite, boo. 
But maybe when you're the Savior, you go, greetings. And then the Bible says, as soon as those women disciples saw Jesus, they fell to their knees, they grabbed his feet, and they worshipped him because they were so happy. We thought you were dead, you're alive. We thought we were hopeless, now we have hope. This is so awesome, Jesus. And then Jesus says, okay, remember, you're supposed to go tell those rascals, those guys who are over at Peter's house, tell them to go to Galilee, and there I will see them, okay? And then they probably race like Bluto and all those people again, because they can't wait to tell. But before I get there, there is a little section, and this is important. Everything in the Bible is important, but this is important for you to know, and you probably skipped over it or we didn't cover it. Remember the guards who allegedly died? Well, they fainted. They woke up, and they thought to themselves, we're in trouble. We had one job to make sure that the dead guy stays dead but he's gone. So you can look this up if you think I'm just making this up because it's a good story. The guards go to the religious leaders. They go to the scribes and the Pharisees, the holy dudes, the people who wear stuff like this, the spiritual leaders, and they go up and say, um, boss, yeah. Jesus' body's gone. Gone, gone. Where'd it go? Don't know. Just vanished? Yep. So the Pharisees and the scribes, the religious leaders, go to the ATM and they get a bunch of money and they look at the guards and they say, if you take this, you need to know for sure that you take this to your grave. You tell everyone who asks and those who don't that someone stole his body. Look it up. The religious leaders said, we don't want people thinking that Jesus rose from the dead. How messed up is this? How much did Jesus have to rise from the dead when the holy people are conspiring? And in that tradition, that story is still told to this day as being the way it was. You learned something, didn't you? So did I. Back to the story. So the disciples who are male decided that they would finally go outside the hut. And they went to Galilee. And then when they were there, they met Jesus. And I don't know if he said greetings. It doesn't say. Maybe he said boo. Maybe he said what's up. But he presented himself the 11 disciples, less one, Judas, right? And the Bible reads, quote, many believed him and some doubted. Isn't that kind of interesting? All the women believed. All the men didn't. So, some doubted. Well, Point number one is even disciples have doubts. Let's just say that there were eight of the disciples who believed and three who didn't. You with me? 
all 11 of them lived with Jesus for three or four years. They listened to him, they watched him, they saw him perform miracles. And on three separate occasions in the Bible I read, Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, die, and after three days I'm going to rise again. He said it three times. So wouldn't you think one of the 11, at least the person who was at the head of the class, would go, he died on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, holy smoke, maybe. But I actually find this to be good news, that some of them doubted. What's wrong with you, little Lillard? Well, a number of things. But you never have doubts? You never have doubts. You never have doubts about the all-powerful, all-knowing, and always present? Jesus always shows up on time for you, huh? That you get everything you ask for. You never have moments when you go, During my 30 plus years, just walk through the oncology ward at a children's hospital like we have to do and go to your car and then drive home. Then you wonder. You don't lose your faith, but it does waver. At times, it's a little thin. Even disciples have doubts. Even the three unnamed dudes who said, nah, but you know what I love about it? In the Bible that I read, Jesus simply says to them, you know what? I'm good with what you did because I didn't see anything about tongue lashing. I didn't see anything about Jesus saying to those three, seriously? I go to all the trouble of doing all this and you don't believe me? See ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Instead, summarily, Jesus says to all the 11 all of whom were locked up in Peter's house, he says, I have work for you to do. And so that's point number two. You see how seamless this is after the video? The best way to deepen your faith is to share your imperfect faith with others. How many things in your life have you ever been fully ready for? Most of the things I think are going to work out perfectly don't. And those I kind of go, well, I don't know if I'm ready, but I've been chosen or I need to choose myself. I thought of this quote. I really love it because I'm sarcastic, but I don't want to belong to any club that would accept me as a member. I have a purpose for this. I always do, right or wrong. Actually, I looked into this, is that Groucho Marx belonged to some kind of society or some kind of club in Hollywood, and he never went, and so he decided to just cash in his chips and say, I don't want to belong anymore, but because he's just had such a great mind, this is what he put. He just couldn't say, take me off the roster. He wrote this, but I have a purpose for it because I like the fact that he wasn't overly proud. You and I are to share our imperfect faith. Now, I'll try to make sure that I keep this unpointed, but I've been practicing all week, and I don't know how I'm going to land this. But as I said, for over three decades I've done this, and I've seen and heard a lot of people witness to their faith. 
And sometimes when I hear them, I get the idea that they have a stronger faith than I do, and I kind of go, well, that's interesting. Or I listen to them and they say, basically, whatever you're doing, stop doing it because you're doing it wrong. And then I think about the fact that we all sin. The one without sin cast the first stone. A lot of people testify to their faith or to faith in general by telling people that what they're doing is wrong and then they say, you know what? Be like me. Really? But it be like you? Point them to Jesus. Testify. When you testify, you and I only tell other people what's meaningful to us. Don't live like I do. Live like you do and then hold it up to the example of Jesus. My father told me so many things that I should stop quoting him. I'm 58. I'm fairly smart. I do good things, but I still quote my father because he's told me so many wise things. And the most wise thing he said is, everybody else's sins are more salacious than your own because at least I don't do what you do. Well, you just judged. So one demerit, one demerit. And Martin Luther said, don't race, don't count. You're all sinners. We don't have a perfect faith, but I love the fact that Jesus looks at the rascals who were hiding and says, I want you to be my PR team. Peter, the disciple, I always pick on him. He always set the curve in every single grade I was in. He's always, pick me, pick me, pick me. One day Jesus said, I'm going to suffer, die, and rise again. And then Peter says, I forbid it. And Jesus is thinking, you forbid me? It gets even worse. Where Jesus kind of tests him a little bit and ruffles his feather and goes for the Gluteus Maximus, and he says, all of a sudden, then Peter says, I would never deny you. And Jesus says, hmm, really? Remember? I think you were at Jesus. No, I'm not. I think you were his buddy. No, I'm not. Yeah, No, you didn't. Who's the head of the church other than Jesus? Peter. Jesus picks people like you and me to testify. Now, here's the deal, my friends in Christ, is before the pandemic, at least the Lutheran church was crumbling. Our numbers are going much worse than the stock market, believe it or not. Now, it seems to me we kind of have a choice. We know that more and more people don't believe in organized religion. More and more people say they don't believe in God. Two kids at St. Olaf College, and I just saw the report of how many Lutherans there are and how many in the student body believe in God. And I thought, oh, well, things have changed since I went to Augsburg University. Yogi Berra was a great coach, but he had great sayings. When you come to the fork in the road, take it. He said, 
It's not a good plan. So what are we going to do? Are we going to look at all that data and say that I'm not going to talk about my faith ever because no one wants to hear about it? Good luck with that. St. Andrew Lutheran Church, ELCA. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He didn't say condemn them for their sins. He didn't say it's all upon you. He said, I want you to tell them the good news. And the good news is Jesus Christ is alive. And I've met people I know who I believe in my heart probably aren't vitalized in their faith. And some people would even say they don't even believe. But when people outside of this realm as well, tell me that their loved one died or someone they know is sick, I will always say, I will pray for you. And you know what? I've never had anyone say, I wish you wouldn't. No one in that situation is going to punch me in the mouth if I say I'm going to pray for you. And that is my way of testifying to my faith. They don't have to believe in the promises any more than I have to believe in the promises. They don't have to live a certain way any more than I live a certain way because Jesus Christ lived and died a certain way because you and I are going to equals. You feel me? Just because we know more doesn't mean that we mean more. So tell people in your own way what means the most to you that you believe. I mean, everyone I meet in my entire life now tells me I have to go see Top Gun. I'm sick of it. Don't tell me. Best thing ever. Then they tell me the entire movie. <laughs> Let me guess. Tom Cruise is cool, and everything he does works out. And then there's some problems along the way. I get that. Talk about Top Gun? Yes. Talk about your favorite restaurant? Yes. Share your faith with others? No. Gary Anderson, Pastor Peter, and my one of our mentors told me it was wonderful. He said, by the way, faith is not private. It's personal. I'll just have that soak in. Faith is not private. It's personal. And I listen to people, and we talk about a lot of things. We talk about our children's problems. People will talk about their marital problems. They'll talk about their finances. They'll talk about their money they make or the money they lose. But do we testify to the faith that means so much to us? I know that I can do a better job when I'm not Mike. Point number three. Here's a question. If Jesus only has time to make one statement, what would it be? Answer, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. This is how the Gospel of Matthew ends. Not the most important, but it is the first. Jesus chose to end what I just talked to you before it goes off into the book of Acts and then all the things therein. 
Jesus, you have one last thing you want to say? Yeah. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Made me think of some movies. I know, that's odd. Toy Story 3. So long, partner. Makes big dudes who are macho and watch football cry when Woody says that. Iron Man, like this, the end of the first one. The truth is, I am Iron Man. And then, the end of the movie. Casablanca, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. E.T., I'll be right here. Do you know that E.T.'s real name, Shrek, actually Jack Lynch, who's running the camera, taught me that? It just it had, It's nothing about Jesus, but, you know, perhaps maybe at the end of Tribute of Pursuit, you can nail it and win some money. That's his real name, by the way. And back to the future, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. And then... Jesus, and remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Is there a better farewell? Hmm? The risen Lord looks at his disciples and says, and remember, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. No matter what, baby, I'm with you. Great, big, little words. We talked about hope, and we have it. We talked about sharing, and we shall. We talked about grace. It's amazing to give and to receive. Trust in God we trust. Renewal. Always and every day, baby. And always. How blessed are we? How absolutely blessed are we. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope you found this week's message helpful as you think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you, and God bless.